1: Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. In. Give a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Give a life bigger than
2: yourself. Give it. You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Today we will hear a classic message that we believe will be a blessing to you. Our goal is to teach god 's word in a way that compels you to live a life that overflows and blesses others let 's get started
1: amen first kings beginning with uh, chapter nineteen verse sixteen and uh, most of us are familiar with the context here. Jezebel has just uh, threatened Elijah he fled to a mountain and uh, you know, he feels like, you know, he's all alone, the last guy, a uh, prophet alive, and God puts him to sleep, and uh, uh, an angel comes and feeds him, and then eventually, you know, uh, there's an earthquake and lightning, etc., but then he hears a still, small voice, and in this voice, God says what we're about to read. And Jehu, the son of Nimshai, you shall anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphath of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. Elijah's final assignment was to establish a new order on earth before he went on the glory. Elijah's, Elijah's, forgive me, measure would not just be what he accomplished when he slayed the prophets of Baal, But his real measure was going to be in what he transferred. Are you hearing me? We're not successful in the present until we secure the future. And this prophet did wonderful and great things, but his job at this point in his life, again, was to secure the next generation. Verse 18, he says... Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, and as you know, that screen is out, it'll be fixed by next week, we found out this morning, but since that, those groups aren't there, just a few of y'all, I think we're going to be all right. (laughs) Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. The ESV here translates this differently than, than most Bibles, but what the ESV is saying is that God uh, had a remnant that would complete the things that Elijah had begun. And and as I began to say, the, the last task of the current generation is to launch the next generation. And if you don't do that, I don't care how wonderful you were in your generation, you failed. Jesus did not leave the earth except he had 12 disciples to follow. Are you hearing me? And then beyond the, the first generation, 12 apostles, there was Paul, and, and then there were others. And without the continued legacy, there'd be no Christian faith today. So every generation has to what, launch the next generation. So Elijah departed from there and found Elisha. Name's very close, but two different individuals. The son of Shaphath. Now, his father's name is close to my name. My name is Derek, which means to rule. Uh, his father names means he shall govern. So Elisha was apparently... Now he mentions names for a reason, and names in the Bible mean something. Elisha was apparently from a very, very solid and well-to-do family. And 19 goes on to elucidate this more. He says, who was plowing with 12 yoke of what? Oxen. If it took 12 uh, pairs of oxen to plow your farm... You had a, a considerable amount of land. You were very, very, very wealthy. And this was the case of Elijah. Again, a contrast between these two men. Elijah, we don't even know where he comes from. We just know, well, we know the town he comes from, know nothing of his family, his origin, etc. But with Elijah, his story's a little bit different. And actually, he has a, a more tender ministry than Elijah, and his background may have something to do with it. Well, it says he was what? Plowing. He was not daydreaming. He wasn't playing or even praying. Now, praying's not a bad thing. But this man was not found doing any of those things. Let me tell you something about the call of God. It's attracted to people who are busy doing work. Moses, what was he doing? Shepherding the flock. David, what was he doing? He was out shepherding the flock. What were the, 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 the disciples doing? They were cleansing their nets, and Jesus said, leave all and what? Follow me. They were working with their fathers in their boats. Uh, what about Paul on the road to Damascus? He was working for the Sanhedrin. He was on a mission from them to kill Christians, but he was busy doing his job at the time. And typically, I'm really always, God calls busy working people to do his work in the ministry. Does that make sense, people in the room? So don't stay home praying 40 days, 40 nights expecting the call? Get busy in your church. Begin to represent God on your job. And as you do that, God will call you into the next thing he might have for you. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. Well, if the lamb was really hard, he may have needed that many ox in his singular yoke, but I I doubt that was the case. I think they were pairs of oxen in the, in the land, and, and he was coming. He was, you know, all the other oxen had gone before him, and he was in the last uh, group there. Uh, but, you know, his family at this point, if you're reading this properly, it is wealthy enough for him to sit home sipping lemonade. But this is not the case uh, for Elisha. He's out in the field. He's sweating with, with the men and, and the women out there overseeing the work. The Scripture says he was with the what? Twelve. So uh, again, that makes me think that there were pairs of oxen and he was just with this last pair of oxen. And and I want you to notice something though. This is his job. This is what he did for a living. I believe when Jesus was in the carpentry shop making wood, I believe that's when God gave him the revelation of my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Because people were coming with broken yokes and he would fix them as a carpenter. And here we find uh, uh, Elisha, plowing and God will use he often uses our job actually to prepare us for our roles what was again Moses before he went into ministry a shepherd what is a shepherd actually one who tends to to sheep and ultimately he would become the pastor or the shepherd of Israel so so you see how God can use our jobs to prepare us for our more sacred vocations but you know you have to be careful about separating the secular and sacred too much because you know really your job is your ministry and there's an anointing on what you do at that workplace. And, and when you begin to see it as your ministry to serve others and, and serve your gifts, God will bless it and do things he wouldn't otherwise do. But here he is, he's plying with 12 yoke of oxen, and it's symbolic or predictive of what's about to happen to him. He's about to be placed over the 12 tribes of Israel. And now he's leading these 12 oxen. And all of it means something, and all of it was preparation for his next step in life. You may hate the job you're in, but it may be preparation for what's next? Elijah passed by him and cast his what? Cloak upon him. Now we don't dress, some of y'all dress a little different, but most of us don't dress the way this individual dressed or the way people dress back uh, in, in these times. A person's cloak was, was that article of clothing that you would use. It was the outer piece of, of, of clothing. Um, you, you had undergarments if you will uh, you, you had some other garments on but this, the, the outer cloak was, was very very important because it protected you from the sun during the day but you also used it as bedding at night uh, sometimes even a blanket at night sometimes you lay on it other times you lay it on top of you Other times during the day you'd use it as your mat to sit on while eating and uh, you kind of, they didn't sit like we do in chairs, they kind of lean over and often they'd 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 lay out their their mat or their, I'm sorry, their cloak and, and, and lay on it. Sometimes they'd even use it as luggage. They'd put things in it and, and carry it. The cloak was super, super expensive. You, uh, super important. If you knew the Bible, actually, the Bible warns about taking someone's cloak. So like, if you take the cloak, you better get it back to him by nighttime because you know that that's a very, very serious thing. And in a pledge, if you wanted to uh, offer security, in other words, I'm going to rent this car, and instead of leaving money and credit cards, you might leave your cloak. But people understood that the cloak was so important that you would be back by evening with the object you borrowed because you need that cloak in the night. Okay. So the cloak was, was very, very important, very, very personal. And uh, Elijah's cloak here in particular became legendary. Let's listen to what King Ahaziah uh, says about Elijah and his cloak. 2 Kings verse 7, chapter 1. He said to them, What kind of man was he who came to meet you and told you of these things? They answered him, He wore a garment of what? Hair. Elijah's mantle or his cloak is what often identified him. Uh, But by the way, but what type of man wears a fur coat in the desert? There weren't a whole lot of uh, fur coats out there in the desert. On top of that, scripture says he had a a belt of leather about his his waist. He not only had a, a fur Elijah knew how to accessorize. He had on a he had on a a belt. But here's the deal, he probably needed the fur because he slept outside. He was a lot like Jesus when Jesus was on our itinerant ministry. He had no place to, to lay his hand, and he would sleep outside. And And hair in Scripture represents vitality, vigor, and strength. Uh, that's why, you know, uh, David's son, who had that long hair, people were so uh, excited about him because, you know, again, he was, he was vigorous and, and vital. You know, the Vikings with the long hair, the Native Americans with, with the long hair. And and in Scripture, it represented that in, in, in a re- level of ruggedness. And uh, it didn't mean some of the things that, that it might mean today. So uh, again, he had this hair on him. He was a, a hairy man. And, and here's the deal. Prophetic ministry always has a, a, a roughness and a toughness about it. There's always a ruggedness involved in the prophetic. If you're overly sensitive, prophetic ministry is not for you. And the king said, based on the, the fact that he was wearing this, this hairy garment— there's only one guy in the kingdom that dresses like that. It's Elijah, the Tishbite. He was the original Marlboro man, or let's say the original OG for younger people. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> First Kings 19 and 19. <laughs> Elijah, back to the original narrative. Passed by Elisha again. He's a rough dude. He doesn't stop for small talk. He none of those things. He just passed by him and threw his coat at Elisha. Scripture said, "Cast his what cloak on him." See, this may appear insensitive. That this may appear, you know, make you think that this man doesn't have a heart. But ministry is not easy. And if you have to be coddled all the time, you are not ready. So he begins this man, letting him recognize, listen, this thing is not for the faint heart. If you're going to come after me, you got to deal with some things and, and get ready for, for some, uh, some, some hard circumstances. Elijah passed by him, cast his what? Cloak upon him. What do you do when responsibilities you didn't ask for are suddenly foisted on you? Many of us would have thrown that cloak back at Elijah. Some of y'all do that to me. But we have to be careful about wearing our sensibilities on our sleeves. Let's listen to, to Jesus. I mean, he is love, but watch how he handles this one situation. Matthew 15 and verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. This is important because this is the only time in Jesus' ministry that he goes outside of Palestine, the only time he goes into the Gentile territory. This just doesn't happen. And some commentators say, you know what, he didn't really go into territories just on the border. But again, it seems that he actually went into this territory. Nonetheless, and behold, a Canaanite woman, a Gentile, from that region came out... And was crying, and this is what she was saying. She was saying this loudly. there was probably tears in her eyes. she was highly emotional, but she was persistent, and she wouldn't let go. Right. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. I mean, so far she's reverent, she's even biblical. Calling him the son of David, the, the, the coming Messiah, her request was relatively short. She was fervent, she was humble, humble full of respect. It says here, she's, she's crying, "Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. How many you have some children like that? Don't raise your hand. We're on TV. but he did not answer her a word ever do everything all the things you're supposed to do right but all it seems is like God is ignoring you she's doing everything I mean this is a this request could go in the manual on how to beseech God she does everything right but the master ignores her. But you see, sometimes God is not only testing your faith, but your attitude. And sometimes you could get your faith just right. You can have your doctrine squared up, but your attitude far away. And because of your attitude, miss the answer that could be yours. And his disciples came and begged him. Now she was begging, now they're begging him. Saying, Lord, get rid of this woman. She's crying out after us. Not only did she find Jesus, she began to follow Jesus. There was no getting away from this lady. She wanted something from God and she wasn't going to leave without getting it. How many of y'all know some women like that? It's not a bad thing, okay? Some of y'all scared to lift your hands. It's not a bad thing. And then he answers. After a long time of silence, he literally ignores this woman. She's screaming. You can't miss her. Ah, Santa David, help me. You know, my kids are screaming. And again, the disciples, she's driving me crazy. Peter's like, man, can I cut her ear off? You hear what I'm saying? But but he finally answers. He looks at her. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep, the house of Israel. This was true, but that hurt. What do you do? How do you respond when the truth hurts? Let's watch this woman. That didn't stop her. She only goes further. I know this woman. her. But she came even closer. Sometimes, again, with the slightest offense, I'm out of here. Not this woman. Oh, they ain't do the way they should do. That ain't right. Not this woman. As soon as she got his attention, she was like, that's all I want. She had an open door. She came and knelt before him, saying, "Lord, still respectful in spite of the offense. Lord, help me." But by this time, she's kneeling. How many of you can kneel and keep on after you've been offended? What do you do when when the preaching offends the deepest part of your identity? What do you do when the preaching seems to get personal? Jesus was telling the truth. You see, if he started reaching all the world, the whole world would come to Israel. And that wasn't the assignment. He had to die to redeem the world first. And then the disciples were to go into all the world. But you see, if he did too much. His fame, man, you'd start people would be coming on boats and ships. His assignment was Israel. That was the truth. But you see, this woman had no explanation. That cut right to her heart, and he's about to get worse. How many know Jesus' is love? So love is not all; doesn't always treat us with kid gloves. Jesus gets worse. He says, "Now she's kneeling down." Tolerate. Disciples want to get rid of her. Jesus has ignored her, and then Jesus offends again her sensibilities she's kneeling he says lady it's not right to take from my disciples the children and throw it to the dogs okay how many of you are no longer kneeling down at this point how many of you might be picking up a few things at this point Jesus saying, okay lady, are you really ready to get past the history that separates our two peoples? Are you really ready to get past my Jewishness? Watch how she deals with the hurdles that are placed between her and receiving from God. There will always be hurdles there will always be something that you got to get over in order to get what you need from the master know, when i was in college there's a big deal about you know christ christianity being a white man's religion and all that and and a lot of folks took issue to that so the way many churches responded and by the way this is not necessarily wrong was put black Jesus on the wall. There's nothing wrong with that. that, that you know, may, may, when I go to Korea, may he look Korean. May I go to, you know, wherever, may he look how, that's fine. But Jesus doesn't have to be a black man. The bottom line is he became part of the human race. I, I don't care what type of eyes he had, the color of his hair. The issue is, I'm a man, he became a man. Whether he was a blue man, a yellow man, a red man, he had two legs, walked on planet earth, and became a human. Are you hearing me? There's really no difference between yellow humans, red humans, blue humans, green humans, just humans. So we don't need to make a whole lot of whether or not he was tanned. You hear what I'm saying? Or not. In spite of his statement, she said, yes, Lord, are you kidding me? She keeps her head, maintains her respect. But instead of being offended and crying and and, and having a fit, she turned this thing to her advantage. She said, "I, I hear you, Lord. She said, I'll be a dog if I have to be. But I'm going to get what I need for my family. She said, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's tables. You see, when life turns up lemons, what you do? Make lemonade. And she said, okay, you're going to serve me a lemon. I'm going to squeeze it. And I'm going to turn it into something useful. But if this woman was going to be different than everyone in her nation and follow the Messiah, be called a traitor and all the rest, she needed to toughen up and harden up. The master knew what this woman needed. And he dealt with it and dealt with it squarely. Then Jesus answered her. And by the way, while you were standing there, we know his words, but we don't know the expression on his face. I think there was something in his eyes that was saying, come on, lady, keep coming. Get over my get over all this. Get over it and, and just, just keep up. And she saw that. And I think that was the thing that kept her her coming. And Jesus answered her and said, Oh, woman, great. And by the way, how come the women always get these types of statements? Help us. Help us. Help us. Yeah, bro, I think a brother would have hit him. But the women, oh, woman, Great is your faith. In other words, this is what I wanted from you. Now, I can't have the the, the Gentiles having this touchy feely faith. I need you to have a faith that perseveres through until you get what you need from me. In spite of apparent differences and cultural barriers that you get past that, in spite of what people say about you, think about you, the bottom line is you're going to get what you need. Then it said, Be it done for you as you what? Desire. Sometimes this is what it takes to get what you need from God. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you could call me what you want to. I'm going to get what I want and what I need from God. Then the, 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 the TV, it got all types of names for people like you and I. But call me what you want. Christ is answering my prayer. Yeah, my baby boys are being delivered and set free. Come on.
2: Come on. This has been a classic edition of the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer, pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. We pray that you join us tomorrow as we continue this teaching. Our prayer is that this teaching from God's word strengthens and inspires you to live a life bigger than yourself. So remember, you can access this message and much more for free at GraceChurchVA.org. And we also invite you to join the Grace Church family for service online by connecting on our website or on YouTube at GraceChurchVA.tv. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes to live big.